Well, good morning, out everybody out there on their smart devices, computers, laptops, etc. Today we start day 69 of the shelter in place. I just want to thank everybody for your prayers. I know you were praying because I thought I was done yesterday at nine in the morning, and the Lord had me change everything up, almost three quarters of what I had. So I appreciate that. It's a blessing we have this uh, streaming available that we still can uh, study the Word, and especially on Monday and Wednesday nights to see the devotion from Adel and Sylvia. You know, we're up against an invisible enemy, and what it makes it so tough is a lot of people have it and don't know it, and they spread it like wildfire. It's a tough fight. One thing I pray for every day is a vaccine. That might be the only way to kill this thing. And then I read the other day, the the vaccine that they're banking on, they said it's not going to work very well for people over 65 years old. So I said, oh, that's just great. But one thing, we all want this thing to go away, get rid of this shelter in place. It seems like it's been going on forever, as we've heard. I remember when I went to Safeway, I used to go, took me 10, 15 minutes up and back. Now it's like going to battle. I put on gloves, mask, hat, long sleeve sweatshirt, go down there, try to stay uh, six feet away from everybody, which is impossible. Get the groceries, come home, then Sherry takes over. I put them down, she disinfects them all and washes them. Meanwhile, I put all my clothes in the washing machine, wash my hands like crazy, and put on all new clothes. And Jim Wilson can tell you some stories. I went to Costco one morning early on for the senior day. I went an hour early, and I said, all right, I'll be one of the first ones in there. I was shocked when I got there. There must have been 500 people wrapped around the Livermore Costco. And they had a uh, patrol unit there for crowd control. When I got in, there was one man there throwing out one toilet paper and one paper towels. That was the limit then. And in those days, that stuff was like gold. So it's been crazy. I remember the first day when we started watching all the shelter-in-place directives, Surgeon General, don't wear a mask. You're going to touch yourself. It's worse off if you do wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. A few weeks later, wear a mask every time you go outside, or you'll be fined in some jurisdictions. I have mine right here today. Then they came out with the maintain six feet of distance, and don't shake hands. What was confusing to me, as that group was saying that, they were all about six inches apart, and people were shaking hands. And then we heard it attacks seniors and people with pre-existing conditions, which it does, but now we're hearing young children, teenagers, and all age groups are getting the virus. It, It hits everybody. And even the sharpest minds don't know if it's going to come back next season. 
or there might be a new variation of it, or how effective a vaccine will be. There's just so many unknowns about this thing, and they're learning new things every single day. There's a lot of ideas out there. Today there was another article on the blue UV lights. That might be effective. People are trying uncertified medications. And one bureaucrat back east said, turn on a hairdryer and poke it up your nose and that will kill the virus. So people are desperate. Sweden came out and they were doing good for a while and a lot of people said to follow Sweden's plan. They didn't lock down, but now they say that Sweden has a much higher death ratio per billion people than its neighbors. Our state in California, our governor has set pretty stringent lockdown procedures, as you know, and that has kept the mortality rate down and the number of cases down. Some churches have opened early and encourage mass gatherings and have a lot of services. One pastor who defied social distancing died after contracting the virus. Another pastor disregarded the orders and was arrested on a warrant after he had a couple services. And just recently, two churches that opened had to immediately close this week as an infected person spread the virus throughout the church and unfortunately, some of the members died. Leviticus 13 gives excellent procedures on dealing with leprosy, another infectious disease that spreads rapidly. And those procedures include isolation and separation. And the Lord establishes these health laws to protect his people from the spread and to limit the number of deaths from the disease. And this is a a key point I have today. I am so thankful that our church leaders are seeking the Lord's guidance and wisdom on when and how to open up safely. They care for every single one of us, and they know that this virus spreads like wildfire. We need to keep praying for them, that the Lord gives them wisdom, For every decision, and there will be many, that needs to be made on this opening process. Of course, we all want to be together again. And of course, they want to as well. And they want to open up as badly as everybody else. So we have to keep praying for them, and they want to do it safely. And then what's on most people's minds, again, is the economy. We we know we need to open it up. We will have no country if we don't. Everybody agrees on that, but the issue is how do we open it up safely? Procedures are varied from county to county and state to state. One state said, we're just opening everything up and we're going to be the Wild West and we're going to see what happens. Interesting. California is slowly opening businesses and some recreation and doing contract tracing, which is very hard. It's basically detective work. They have to trace where that 
infected person has been, who it's been around, and who the people they contacted with are around too. So it's very tedious work. So as Christians, where do we find answers from the truth where there is so much uncertainty? The media, we're not going to get it on the media. It spins it one way or the other. Every story is leaned one way or the other. So we know where to find the truth. The Word said, God is truth. Your Word is truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And His Word is not a theory. It's not an opinion. It's not a possibility. It is a certainty. The Lord's way is the best and only way for each and every one of us. It's flawless and a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Whenever we see people talking or debating or giving their opinion, a lot of times you'll see a fact check. And you read the fact check on each side and they say, well, that's half true and it's not true. The word is 100% true and we don't have to run a fact check on it. Psalms 25.5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. David didn't consult the experts at the time, scholars, or do a survey to determine what the truth was. He spoke to God and he sought out God. And God, as the verse said, guides us. No wonder he's called a man after God's own heart. We should follow his example. And that's what we're doing today. We're going to go over a few verses, dig into them, and hopefully we can learn from this guide and apply it to our lives. John 16:13 says, "But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will not speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come." Amen. Isn't that assuring? When we ask him, and read and study his word. He will tell us what to do in this difficult time. It's consistent, and he won't give us mixed messages that we're hearing from our general sources. Both of these passages use the word guide. Jesus is the perfect guide for every aspect of our life. Without him, we're going to be groping in the dark. And some people want to take matters in their own hands. They're getting antsy. They've had it. And they're doing whatever they want. And we've heard so much about our plans versus his plans. We know that his plan is best for us. But often, as we know, they come with struggles and trials like we're all going through now. Wherever he takes us, the road we're on, it's going to be part of his bigger plan for each one of us. We might be led different ways. We're not going to all have the same plan and same trials and same struggles. But he has a unique plan for every one of us. Consider the Israelites, how he guided them. When they were in the wilderness, the Lord used a cloud above the tabernacle to direct them, to direct them when to move forward and went to stay put. When the cloud moved forward, 
they moved. When it stayed put, they rested. I'm sure they wanted to keep going to get to the land of Canaan, but here is what they did. In Numbers 9, 22 and 23, whether the clouds stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Amen. And that's what we should be doing, following his cloud. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. That's encouraging too. As, as we go, as he teaches us and guides us, he is watching us with his loving eye on us. It's hard staying in place, sheltering in place. Waiting is hard. Nobody likes to wait. But they call him the Prince of Preachers. Spurgeon said, there is no time lost when we are waiting on God's time. So we're not wasting time. We're following his direction. And going ahead of the Lord is always risky. Remember, we've heard the story many times how King Saul was supposed to wait to a certain hour before he um, to, to light the incense and do the duties of a priest. So he got antsy. He didn't wait. He went ahead of the Lord, and then Samuel came right then and there, but it was too late for Saul, and he was punished and paid a big price because he did not follow the Lord. Now more than ever, we have to seek him, obey him, cling to him, let him guide us. Our faith grows when we're tested by the fire in the smelting process and when we're spun on that potter's wheel. There's different ways to obey. In California, every police officer has to pass post standards. That's police officers' standards of training. And the procedure, when you make an arrest, you say, get on your knees Put your hands behind your head and interlock your fingers. And when they comply, that is called forced obedience. They're obeying, but they sure don't want to. And we don't want to obey the Lord like that. The Word tells us how we're supposed to obey. These are some adjectives and emphasis on different verses telling us how to obey. They say we need to fully obey Obey in a manner of respect. Obey with all your heart and soul. And obey carefully. That's good advice. I know I could improve in that area sometimes. In her Sunday school class, Sherry tells the kids, obey all the way and right away. Another another good teaching for all of us. And I know this verse comes up, it comes up all the time, because what we're going through always applies because of the way our nations are acting against the Lord. And it's Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
we need a wake-up call. Our country, we've said this over and over and over because the Lord is being blocked out in our country from our policies and from morally. It's You can't even imagine it getting worse morally, but every time we say that, something worse comes to be. So we we keep turning to this verse and... It continues to apply for the United States today as well as the whole world. He may be using this plague for different reasons. In Revelation 9, 20 and 21, it says, The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold. Silver, bronze, stone, and wood idols that cannot seek or hear or walk. That's from Revelations. Those are in future events. We know the the Lord used plagues and pestilence against Pharaoh. He's using pestilence now. And he uses it in the future in the tribulation. But those future events... The conditions and the sin listed in those, it's the same thing that's going on today. Same sins, same conditions. The only thing that changes is our idols are different things. And as this trial goes on and on, we can learn from this trial just as Jesus did. Suffering and trials are not unique to us. Jesus went through it too. In Hebrews 5, verses 7 to 9, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him. Amen. So we think, why do we have it so tough? Jesus went through it. Yes, he was God, but he became a man. So he knows what we're going through when we're suffering. And he knows, as he experienced, he learned obedience and he grew through it, just as we can do. If we waste a trial and suffering, that's not good. We should learn, everybody should learn something from this. This great man passed away the other day, and he, Ravi Zacharias, said, God does not conquer in spite of the dark mystery of evil. He conquers through it. He conquers through evil, pain, and suffering and makes you the person he intended you to be through it. So think about what the Lord is trying to do to you today as we're going through this, and he will work it so we grow in him. Someone else said, In Christ's obstacles are opportunities. God's will will always be accomplished and God will bring advancement through opportunity. So this is an opportunity for us to grow. <clears throat> and with <clears throat> and with all this, 
it's easy to panic. We see some things that can be pretty disturbing. But we're, we shouldn't panic. One of the things I do, I'm kind of a computer buff, I like the Johns Hopkins University COVID-19 tracker. You've probably seen it on your devices or on the computer. And we can check the curve for every state, nation, or country and see how it's doing. Remember, we it starts out like this. We don't like that. We want it to flatten and eventually go down. And that's what New York is doing now. We see the other countries that are going straight up, like Brazil. That is no good. And another thing on this tracker, it's like the old Outbreak movie. It's called the uh, the COVID Timeline. It shows the whole map of the world on a flat screen. You start it, you click on it, you see one tiny dot, red dot in China. As the tracker moves on, the whole screen starts to get red dots. And then in the outbreak areas, the red dots turn into big red blobs, such as Brazil, Russia, the United States, New York, Los Angeles. And it's pretty scary. We're cautious about every single thing we do now. Everything is different. I walk a lot in the neighborhood and on the trails near me. And people are behaving when I walk and you see somebody coming down the street. Okay, you wonder, who's going to move first? So I cross the street or the other person crosses the street to maintain that social distancing. Some recreation has opened up with precautions. Golf has opened up. And Jeff, he drags me out to play all the time. It's one of my ministries. And courses, they have extreme precautions now. If you know anything about golf, uh, the ball has to go in a cup. Well, when I finally get the ball in the cup, the cup is filled with a swim noodle so that you don't have to reach in the cup to get it. You just touch the ball and get it. Um, one person per cart. The carts are sanitized. And no touching a sand trap rake or flag stick. And they want people to be out in the open air, which is great. And who would have ever thought that somebody would disinfect an Amazon Prime cardboard box? But we do it. It's been done. That's a new one, too, when we learned we could get it from surfaces. So we should be concerned, but not panic. And we should not be reckless and exhibit behavior that's dangerous to others, as many have done. This drives Sherry and me crazy. So many people are trying their best to do the distancing, the masks, behave in their self, and then you see a party of just people packed, ignoring the rules, and selfishly. We've all seen the little graphic of a little man who infects two men, and then four, and then 16, and then before you know it, they said one man can turn into an outbreak of 54 people, I think. They're just not thinking about others. We've read stories about the COVID parties where people want to all get the virus so, oh, I can get the antibody and be immune. Very selfish. Two In this morning's news, two hair salon workers just worked 
with symptoms for eight days, even though they had a mask, they were all around these people, their hands, and and so who knows what kind of outbreak that's going to lead to. So not to fear and not to panic. This is one of my favorite sections here, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 and 13. It says, but now this is what the Lord says, <clears throat> he who created you, O Jacob, and forget Jacob, you can put your name in there. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for you. Ransom, Cush, and Seba in your stead. Yes, yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out you out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? So you're in his hands today, and his grip is way stronger than ours. That is a reassuring, comforting, and calming. And of course, one thing we have to do, we do now, and we're never going to stop, <clears throat> is praying. One great thing that came out of this is Sherry and I always had devotions every night. Now we have more time available and we have a devotion in the morning and a devotion at night. And, you know, especially early on, every day kind of seemed the same in this process. Sydney teases me about this because we FaceTime with the family and I'll say, you know, I brushed my teeth, and it seems like I just did that. And she said, Grandpa, you said that the other night. It's true, Sydney. It seems like every day is the same. It's like you're on a treadmill. But the thing about the devotions, kind of a highlight of our day, every day and night, the Lord teaches us something new and different. And we say His mercies are new every morning, which is true. And... With all of this uncertainty, the Lord is our rock and our refuge and our anchor through this whole thing. <clears throat> and like like us, I'm sure you're playing, praying for your families, church family, relatives and stuff. And <clears throat> we all have unique things to pray about. One thing we pray about is my nephew is a paramedic in Santa Clara, and he would be the first one in to calls dressed up in his PPE And he had to uh, do a triage on the call to see what was needed. Sherry's niece and husband and child are in uh, Rio de Janeiro, which right now just passed Russia as the most active hotspot in the world. And their health capacity has zero left. They're all, they're all in. And the Brazil president had given this this non-leadership throughout. He said, the virus is overstated. It's like a little flu. We can't do any more than we're doing. Everyone will die someday anyway. So what? I'm sorry. And now they have over 20,500 deaths from COVID, and we see the pictures of mass graves in Brazil. 
So, of course, we pray for her family every day and night. They are believers, thank God. He is a very sharp guy. He's a mathematician. And we also pray for healthcare workers and first responders, of course. And as I said, I pray for that virus that will work every day. <clears throat> so another gem verse on how to get through this virus is in First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And this verse encourages us because we have an eternal hope and future in Christ. Up there we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for us. Talk about safekeeping. It's in a place that nobody can touch it. It's in the best of hands. And in Hebrews 10.23, he also tells us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we we profess. For he who is promised is faithful. That unswervingly is an interesting word. It it encourages us to stay laser-focused. Don't weave about from left to right like a ship in a storm. We should be steady and not hot hot one day and cold the next. We want people to see in us by our actions and reactions the hope that we have in the Lord. And be bold we can, when we can share this hope with others and explain why we have this hope that we treasure so much. And regarding that hope, another one from Ravi Zacharias. My knowledge of this life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it is enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this hope we have in you that we can go through life with no fear, no panic, and you are in complete control. Lord, we are not all in on our life here on earth. This is not just it for us. We are all in with you and the future and the knowledge that you give us in store with you in heaven. We want to thank you for your word. We pray that we apply these verses to our lives today. And I just lift up now everybody that's... <clears throat> going through this just by themselves. Lord, it's such a tough thing for them. We pray for them to give them encouragement and strength. And we pray for the day, a date is unknown, um, that we will be able to go somewhat back the way things were in the past. But it's all in your timing, Lord, and may we not rush you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.